0: of BYU week and as the Bears go to Provo Chris Hummer joining us now the uh, National College football writer transfer portal expert for 27 24 uh, 7 sports and Chris good to have you this is going to be a uh, interesting weekend let's start before we get to any Baylor talk this Texas Alabama game. Now, today, I was reminded, I'm starting to get reminded of, okay, where did this guy end up? And Texas has a transfer, uh, and I think they have two or three transfers from Alabama. Now, one of those guys is still serving some type of suspension from his time at Bama. But I, I always find this fascinating when a former coach like Sark has some of his former players from Bama. Now, which one of these players that I'm talking about is is going to make the biggest like earliest impact I I assume it's this uh, wide receiver
1: um actually I'd probably go with Keelan Robinson who's a running back he transferred from Alabama when Steve Sarkeesian came over in 2020 and he's kind of like a big play gadget guy and I would imagine given the game and Given that Texas is going to need all the help it can get, he'll see one or two snaps that really matter. Like he could make a play that busts the game open. Not that I'd expect it to change the final um, kind of result of it, but yeah, I think Keelan Robinson. If you're going to you're going to spot like somebody, it'd be him. Ajay Jai Hall is also coming back, but he's yeah. been he's been away from the team and hasn't really practiced until before this week. So I don't know how big of a part of the game plan he'll be.
0: Well, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, isn't it funny that the first time ever, like, Fox and uh, ESPN have been there for their shows is a game that doesn't even involve one of the teams isn't ranked. (laughs) It's just the brands, you know, are so big in this game. Do you have a a sense of, like, if you were going to bet this thing, I mean, I think it's a 20- or 21-point spread, do you... Do you think that the Longhorns have that talent level back up? You know, last year, by the end of the year, they were in a bad way. Everybody was screaming at each other. The famous uh, monkey thing happened. That was an embarrassment. You know this roster, and you know some of the people they've brought in. Is this getting to look like uh, one of the Texas rosters that we've been more used to in the past?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I don't think talent's ever really been the issue for Texas. I think last year it was a combination of um, some strife within the locker room, um, some just cultural issues, and just frankly, like Texas, the last decade when things have gotten tough, I've had a hard time finishing games. Um, they were in a lot of those games late last year. So I, I think the talent level there. It's, it's certainly not the where Alabama is, but I think Texas is as talented naturally as any team in the Big 12. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that'll be the problem. A lot of it's just young. Um, like Texas is going to start two true freshman offensive linemen on Saturday. Um, a lot of Texas' better players are all young and underclassmen, obviously a quarterback, redshirt freshman making a second career start. A lot of Texas' better offensive pieces are underclassmen. So I think it has a lot more to do with that than it does to do with the actual baseline talent level of Texas.
0: Yeah, it just seemed like they were kind of running low on players last year, but you're right, there's some coaching issues along the way. Now, Quinn Ewers, you have been all over the Quinn Ewers story even back when he was at uh, Ohio State. Uh, this is a huge spot for him, and, and, and this is where uh, they've got to try to do the best they can to protect him, but at some point in this game, you know, he's going to have to make a play and make some plays downfield. Do you, you having been around him, covered him, know his past, where do you think he is, like, mentally? Like, is this a, I mean, are we going to see a nervous Quinn Ewers early in this game? Or is this guy almost cocky enough to think, hey, I'll be just fine in this game? Where, Where do you think his mental space is heading into this kind of matchup?
1: Well, I'm going to be frank. I don't think he could go much worse than last week. He almost threw an interception on his first career pass, and then his second career <laughs> pass was an interception. So if he, I don't think he could start worse. Um, but I, I think he'll generally be fine. I think the bigger problem for Quinn Euler is like, not men, makeup or mentality. is just the fact that he's playing Alabama. Will Anderson and Dallas Turner are coming off the edge. They have some freaks inside, too, like Jaheim Otis, who's a true freshman. And given the questions of Texas's offensive line, I think his – Bigger issue is just going to be standing upright. I will say I expect him. I would be surprised if he didn't throw a pick or two. Like Quinn's a risk taker. I think in some cases he trusts his arm a little too much, and he's still really early in his development in terms of working through progressions in Steve Sarkeesian's system. So I would not be shocked to see a turnover or two. But I don't. I don't know if that'll be because he's intimidated. I think that'll be a lot of uh, kind of youthful mistakes more so than anything.
0: Are you seeing Chris Hummer from 247 uh, joining us 24-7 on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas? Uh, The man is a transfer portal expert. He looks in that thing all the time to see what's going on. Um, You already have players hitting the portal. You confirmed one uh, yesterday, the uh, linebacker out of Oklahoma. I mean, is this pretty common these days? I mean, first of all, think about LSU. I mean, there's a guy that you go into the game, it's like, oh, this is a big-time player. This guy, you know, watch uh, uh, Booty. I mean, it's a great player to watch. And then by the end of the game, and you can even tell by his body language, even when one of his teammates got a big touchdown, he was not really into it. And then sure enough, it's like, okay, he's ready to check out. Is this? uh, Are you seeing more than in the past, or is this becoming sort of normal that even after one week you see guys go into the portal?
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm a little surprised to see people entering the portal at all because the NCAA last week passed rule changes, and I've talked to like sources at the NCAA, and they've told me the portal is closed. Like the windows are in effect. So I'm trying to get. I'm still personally trying to get a little clarity on how this is working because players should not technically be able to enter. I've talked to sources across the country, and I think there's just a general state of confusion right now with that. As I understand it, like, even if you're able to enter, you can't enroll anywhere until at least December. So, to me, it is surprising to see players jumping in the portal because they're not really gaining any benefit by it. Um, they're not going to be working out with the team, probably. They are guaranteed a scholarship, but like, it's it's an interesting situation. But even last year, we saw probably about 100 players go in the portal midseason um, between the first week of the season and probably like the 10th or 11th. So it's not, it's not uncommon. I'm just surprised with the new rule changes in effect that we're actually still seeing players enter.
0: Yeah. I tell you, I was, we were really pulling by the way for Gary Bohannon, one of the, you know, the player who uh, transferred from the bears from Baylor and, uh, and it did not look great for him. South Florida, you know, you, you got Brewer, it got hurt at Liberty. I, I was looking around, there was, the, there was a chance that four to five Baylor quarterbacks, well, five of them were on different rosters to start this season. I mean, CJ Rogers down the road at Texas State, Zeno, you remember, came from the San Antonio area, Brewer, Bohannon. And, like, uh, somebody else I'm missing. It, it, it is funny that, like, one program can supply that many quarterbacks, you know, around, around the country, and you're seeing more and more of that. Now, you, got, you spent some time with Dave Aranda uh, in, in this Baylor program going into BYU. This is a tough spot for the Bears. Now, BYU's favored in this game. Last I saw by about two and a half for a field goal is did that surprise you given the fact that Baylor is a top 10 ranked team right now and uh, BYU I believe is 21st in the country did that surprise you at all or do you think that's just showing BYU in
1: that environment you know the respect they deserve I think it's a little bit of both I was a little surprised to be honest because I have a lot of respect and also the way that game went last year Baylor just owned the line of scrimmage And I think Baylor's better on the line of scrimmage this year on both sides than it was last year. So that, that was a bit surprising, but at the same time, like I think BYU is a little under ranked um, generally. Um, They've been one of the best teams in the country quietly the last two years. I think Jaron Hall, their quarterback is one of the most underrated players in the country. Um, They have a lot to like. And I think BYU could easily make a run this year um, with a really difficult schedule ahead of it at 10 wins once again. So I was a bit surprised to see Baylor as an underdog, especially because Dave Aranda, I think it's like 4-0 his last four games as an underdog dating back to last year. Um, So I actually like Baylor in this game, but I, I think it is a little bit of both. I think people are undervaluing Baylor a little bit given some of the losses it had coming off last year's team, and I think they are respecting BYU properly given how quality of a team that is.
0: These four new teams, we're talking about BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF. Cincinnati's obviously had the most success getting to the playoff. But which of those programs do you feel like is set up to come into the Big 12 and have immediate success? Is it because of what Fickle has done? I mean, I I would probably lean that direction, although BYU has tremendous history. Uh, uh, and and they seem to acquire talent. Um, and, and I, I don't know how it'll hold up week in week out in the Big Twelve. How would you rank those four teams? Like in terms of who's going to have the most immediate success? Uh, in the uh, in the Big Twelve next year.
1: That's a honestly, that's a really tough question. I think all four teams, given the cycle of their roster. Are capable of competing in the Big 12 right away. I don't know which one of those teams is going to cycle up the fastest. I think BYU is inherently advantaged just because their roster roster trends so much older. Like they're often starting 24 and 25 year old linemen because of um, the Mormon missions that a lot of those players undertake. But like if you just look on paper at recruiting, like Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF are all like programs that would be middle of the pack to upper tier. In terms of straight up recruiting in the Big 12, like Houston right now is recruiting at a better level than Kansas and Kansas State, and potentially even West Virginia at times. Same thing about Cincinnati, same thing about UCF. So I I honestly think the Big 12 is going to be the most competitive conference in football once Texas and Oklahoma leave, just top to bottom. And I think all three of those teams are capable. I, I think I'd probably spotlight ucs going into next year just given the roster of those four teams but i think all four are capable of making a run
0: all right talking to chris hummer from uh 247 wasn't it interesting to hear the new commissioner out he was at cincinnati and uh he has had no qualms about basically saying hey i'd like to go west i'd like to find a cultural fit out west uh, some people immediately said, oh, I think he's talking about Arizona. Of course, some of those teams immediately go, "That must be us. We got the best culture. Now, Arizona's the best basketball school of those uh, of those teams. When you hear the commissioner talking like that, and I know it infuriates the Pac-12, is, isn't it kind of interesting that the Big 12 feels so much more in a position of power now? I mean, we, we obviously have two power conferences, right? And then it's a fight for who's next. And it's kind of nice, Chris, to have a commissioner, after kind of having a reactionary-type commissioner, Bob put up some fight after OU and Texas were leaving, but obviously he had no clue it was coming, and really nobody did, so it's probably not fair to him. But this does seem like a this new commissioner seems a little bit like a brawler, or at least someone who doesn't mind uh, upsetting the apple cart. How, how do you like the way he's handled himself so far?
1: I think given the time period in college athletics that we're in, he's handling himself appropriately. I, I don't think you can be timid coming into this job um, if you're Brett your you're Mark. Um, it's just not possible given the landscape we're in. So I think he's doing exactly what he has to do. Um, I won't lie. It's still surprising to see a commissioner so vocally state his desires to expand like that and specifically where they'd like to expand, but I think it is where we're at in college athletics. Um, one of these two conferences, like it's going to happen, is going to collapse, the Big 12 or the Pac-12 over time. It might be a slow death, but eventually they're going to go by the wayside and one of the conferences is going to survive because they're going to end up poaching each other. There's just not enough big markets between the two of them for them to stave off that over the long haul. I think the Big 12 is in a slightly stronger position, I think you're – seeing Brett Yormark flex that slightly stronger position. I think it's pretty clear, the four teams that would be on the table with that, and I'm sure if the Big 12 could add Oregon and Washington as well, they'd be happy to do so. But um, I think he's just setting up as many signal flares as possible, saying, like, this is our desire, and you would have a place here if you wanted to move, if you're those two Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado.
0: All right. Uh, now, Chris, what are you uh, on Saturdays? Do you try to watch – as a national reporter on all this, do you try to watch as many games as you can, or do you like to usually uh, choose a place to go each Saturday to one of these games, or, or kind of both?
1: A little bit of both. Um, I was on the couch last week. I had, like, three screens up, trying to take in as much as possible. Um, this week I'll be at Texas, Alabama. I'll probably be on the road to a Miami next week, or maybe A&M Arkansas the week after, I'm sure I'll be in Waco at some point this year. If there's a game, good game I can drive to or maybe even a crazy game nationally, I'll fly out to it. So I, I try to do a little bit of both during the year. You can't you can't miss a game atmosphere uh, during the season. It would be sad if I couldn't go to at least a couple.
0: All right. Well, come see us. Uh, the pregame show starts uh, – our tailgate pregame show starts – seven a m against Texas state in a couple of Saturdays, so why do not you come hang out with us all right we'll uh, <laughs> we'll have you on the program chris i uh, appreciate it and uh have a uh have a great weekend
1: absolutely thanks so much I really appreciate it.
0: You bet there he goes Chris Hummer felt like the dog was getting involved there at the end perhaps uh needs needs to let that let that animal out uh occasionally. kind of like Aaron does. Aaron's always running home to walk the dog and he takes the poor dog on these long walks. Um, It is uh, time for something we call campus confidential. Lots of directions to go as we get closer to a college football weekend. We discuss it all next.